Turn your Bibles, if you will, to John 21. We're following Jesus and his disciples as he takes them from resurrection to Pentecost. And as we've said over and over again, this was the plan from beginning. He wanted us to become saved, but he wanted the Holy Spirit to indwell with us and have power over us so that we could do and he could empower us to do ministry and do the things that Jesus, literally, the things that Jesus did on earth. He wanted that to be inside those who followed him. And we see that in his disciples. We're not there yet. We're watching their journey from resurrection to holiness doing the work that he wants to do in their life. And so far, I'm going to tell you, it's not been a pleasant journey for them. It is a hard journey. And I want you to know this morning that uh, following the Lord is not always easy. There are times of great and wonderful uh, mountaintop experiences. But I'm going to tell you, to get there, usually the Lord breaks us down. He has to break us down to where we say, I just want what you want. Whatever you want, I just want you. I don't care about anything else, and we have to get there. And it's not usually easy. And uh, so this morning, he is taking Peter through this time. And uh, it's not easy for Peter. And he's brutally honest with Peter, and Peter is brutally honest with God. Jesus. And so we're going to begin at verse 1 in John 21. Let's all stand. We're going to go straight to the scripture. And this is their this is their walk to this place of complete sold outness and being indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Peter gets there. Peter gets there. Uh, we'll see in after Pentecost uh, that Peter is there. The Holy Spirit is in him. Uh, He is healing people. He is preaching and people are getting saved like crazy. But Peter's not there here. Or he's not, yeah, he's not there here. That's not probably the right way to see that. But that's the only way I know how to say it. That's not him right now. He's not there. This is his walk there. And if Peter, God's loved disciple, has to go through something like this, I think we will too. I think if you follow Jesus long enough, you will have a moment like Peter had today. Okay? So let's go uh, begin with verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not recognize, did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off. Has anybody ever watched Forrest Gump? When he's on that, he's a shrimping boat, Captain. He's on that shrimping boat, and is it Captain Dave? What's that guy's name? 
Dan, Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant Dan is on the end of a pier and, and Forrest Gump is driving by in his shrimping boat and he sees Lieutenant Dan and he goes, Lieutenant Dan! And then just runs off the edge of that boat and starts swimming to him. In my mind, that's what I see here. They're hauling in all this stuff and Peter's like, Lieutenant Dan, <laughs> Jesus it's you, and he just, and takes off. Everybody else comes in later. That's just my picture that I see there. The other disciples followed in a boat, towing a net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And it goes on down. And then he starts talking to Peter. He says, when they, in verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I want to read to you out of the Amplified, and I've preached from this many times. But I'm going to tell you this week, it made more sense to me than it ever had before he said to him when he had eaten jesus said to simon peter simon son of john do you love me more than these others do with reasoning intentional spiritual devotion as one loves the father he's saying do you love me like you would love god are you completely sold out to me and this is how peter answers he said to him let yes lord you know I love you, that I have deep, instinctive, personal affection for you. See, he doesn't answer him in the same way. He says, are you completely sold out to me? And he says, I really like you as a friend, is what he says. And then Jesus says again, do you, do you love me more than anything? Are you completely sold out? Are you all in for me? And he says, you know I love you like a friend. And then Jesus the third time says to him, and you have to get in the Greek to understand this, but I like the way the Amplified Bible. The third time Jesus says, do you love me like a friend? Is that the only way you love me? And Peter says, you know that's the way it is. Okay? Keep that in your mind as we go to the Word. Father, we love you, and we ask today that your hand will be upon us. And Father, help us to see wherever we are today in this Scripture. And help us to be honest today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God will do whatever it takes to get us to that point where we are completely sold out to Him. And He will speak to us in church, and He will speak to us in services, and He will speak to us at events, or He will speak to us during the week. I know sometimes people think that the only time God can speak to me is if I'm at church or if I'm in a gathering or if I'm doing something like that. But I want you to understand that God speaks in our physical life and he speaks to us spiritually in our physical life. 
And this is not a Sunday, it's not a Wednesday night, it's not a revival service. It is a working day. This is not the Sabbath. This is not a come-together disciple prayer preaching time. It is at work. And I want you to know today that God seeks to speak to you no matter where you are. He seeks to speak to you at work. And we tend to compartmentalize or separate God and we think, well, God's going to speak to me on Sunday, so I'm going to go to church and I'm going to hear him on Sunday. And I might give him a little time at night or in the morning or whenever, and maybe on Wednesday night or maybe Sunday night. And those are the times that God speaks. But the rest of the time, I'm working and God, I've got this handled. I'll handle work and you handle, you show up on Sunday and I'll see you there and everything will be fine and I'll give you that time. But the rest of the time is mine. And I want you to know that God wants up in your business all the time. God wants to be up in whatever you're doing. No matter what you do for a living, if you're fishing, if you're construction, if you're a salesperson, if you own your own business, whatever you do, God seeks and wants to be up in your business every day of the week. And this is what he's doing with these guys. And he's reaching out to them. And we tend to try to separate these things. And we go to church. And we got our church life. And then we got our work life. And it feels separate. But God seeks for us to all to be together. And uh, I think sometimes we think, you know, God, you you stick with church stuff and I'll handle the work stuff. I think sometimes we think we know more about our job than God does. You know, you say, God, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years and I'm pretty, pretty good at it. Some might say that I'm the best there is at whatever it is you're doing. And, And seriously, some of you are really good at what you do. And there's people around you that ask you advice because you are so good at what you do and people come to you and you teach them about what you do and and you do that and people come to you for advice because you're so good at what you do i'm going to tell you this morning no matter what you do god knows more about what you do than you do there is nothing that you do that you can come to god and say do you have any questions about this because god does not look at what you god could look at what you do god has got a way of doing what you do better than what you do and he comes to these guys these guys are fishermen and he comes to them and they are good at what they do they made a living fishing i could not make a living fishing i would starve to death i could not do it i like to fish but i couldn't make a living at it and these guys have worked and they have put in the time. They have went at the right time of the day. They have put in the time. And lots of times, lots of times here's the deal. Lots of times, just if you put in enough time, you're going to hit a lick. And you're going to, you know, you'll stumble onto a bunch of fish or whatever. You know, if you just go, if you go fishing 10 days in a row, you're going to catch some fish eventually just out of blind luck. And these guys have fished all night and have got nothing. And Jesus comes in and says to them have you tried the other side of the boat can you imagine god coming and saying you know what if you would just wear a, a you know if you just wear a different pair of socks you might sell more whatever it is you sell more of what if you would wear a different pair of shoes or maybe put a crease in your slacks you could sell more of whatever it is you sold Can you imagine God coming and saying that to you? 
If you would just dig this hole a little bit deeper, if you just dig that a half inch deeper, Kale, if you dig your footings a half inch deeper, it would make the wall go up 10 times faster. Well, that sounds stupid, doesn't it? But you know what? If God said it, it would work. And God comes and says the most ludicrous thing ever. Cast your net on the other side of the, ro- of the boat. And you know they do it. And I want you to know that whatever it is you do, I don't care if you sell widgets or you're in construction or I don't care what you do. God could speak into whatever it is you do and make it better if you would just listen to him. And it's not, I listen to him on Sunday, but the rest of the week I do whatever it is. It's, I listen to God and he wants to speak into whatever you do all the time. Travis is really interested in this half-inch footing, aren't you? Because he, he's sitting back there going, man, if things would go twice as fast, I, I would have, I would dig the footing a half-inch deeper. I don't know if that's going to work, Travis. I'm not speaking for God, but I'm just telling But it, But he could do that. He could do that. And he wants to be part of whatever it is because God seeks to speak into our physical life and get our attention so that he can speak into our spiritual life. Does God care if they catch 156 fish? No, he don't care. If he wanted to, he could have said, hey, your boat's full of fish. They didn't have to cast their net on the other side. He could have filled the boat full of fish just by speaking. He just wants to get their attention so that he can speak into their spiritual life. And God wants to do that in everything you do, no matter what you're doing. No matter if you're at school, in class, or if you're at work, or if you're a little kid, or if you're a grown-up, or if you're an old retired person who sometimes feels like you don't have anything to do. I'm going to tell you, God wants to speak into your life. If you're sucking breath, He still has something that he wants to speak into your life and he will speak it into you physically to get your attention to where you will hear him spiritually. And sometimes it's in a miracle. Sometimes it's in pain. Sometimes it's through a wonderful thing happening in your life. I saw this. God moved wonderfully in my life. And sometimes it's through hurt. And I don't know how he does it. I don't know why he does it. But he will speak however he has to, which sounds so cruel. But it's really loving that God would speak however he has to in your physical life to get you to where he can speak into your spiritual. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes it seems like it doesn't make any sense But God wants to speak what he's getting ready to say into Peter's life and to each one of us. And so he gets this place where Peter comes and he's he's ready to hear what he has to say. And he runs out of the boat. He pulls a Forrest Gump and he just runs out of the boat and swims in there. and, and, And Jesus is there. And he wants to talk to him. And, and so he sets Peter down. And as they're speaking, he says to him, and he addresses him. And I want you, I want you to under, see how he addresses him. And I want you to notice what's different here. And when they had eaten, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. What's the difference there? 
Does anybody remember what Jesus called Peter back in the back? Back when, they, back when he was, he asked Peter who he was, and he goes, you're Jesus, the son of the living God. And he said, you're Simon Peter, and on you I'm going to build my church. He doesn't call him Simon, son of John anymore. Anytime we come to God and we have a life-changing experience, our name is changed. We're different than we were before. And he goes, you're the rock. You're, you're Simon Peter, and you're going to be the rock. But he doesn't call him rock here. What's happened to the rock? The rock has gone backwards. The rock is not thinking like he did before. The rock is not, Jesus, you're the Jesus, son of the living God, and you're everything to me, and you're everything I need to be. He is struggling as if this is really what is supposed to be happening. He's having trouble. Jesus has been crucified. Jesus is resurrected, and I see him, and I believe some of what I'm seeing, but I don't know if I can give myself over to all this, and and, and it's hard to understand, and people are mad at us, and all this stuff is going on, and Peter's like, I'm just... I don't know what's going on here. He's having a hard time with this. And he has gone backwards. Have you ever gone backwards? You ever been in a place where you, have you ever had a time in your life, and I guarantee if I ask you, you would say, there was a time in my life, many of you here at church, there was a time, and you can go back to that moment where you say, man, I was was all in for Jesus. I was, man, I was following Jesus and everything was going, and I can remember that time in my life. I'm going to tell you, Pastor, and let's just be honest because we're at church. You might say, you know, I'm, I feel like I've gone backwards. I still have, a, I have this relationship with God, but it's not where it was. And he addresses this immediately. And as soon as he says this, Peter knows what he's saying. He's saying, Peter, you're, you're not there where you were. You're not the rock anymore. You're, you're what you were. You're not what you are supposed to be. You're not where I want you to be. You're not what I've got for you. You're not what you can be. You've gone backwards. And that's why it says here that, he, that it's, it's his reinstatement. It's what he talks to him. He addresses him as, Peter, as Simon, son of John. And he's gone backwards. It wasn't where he wanted him to be, but he's gone backwards backwards and he and he has to address this problem and he said you can't get where i want you to be where you are right now and there's a there's a problem in your life and if you go back in scripture you understand what's happened he's denied jesus three times there was a problem he he when it came down to are you going to follow me are you going to are you going to be who i want you to be a little girl comes up to him and says i think you're one of those guys and he goes no it's not me it's not me and he starts cursing i don't even know the guy he denies Jesus. And Peter knows this, and he has, he has gone from the person that he's going to build his church on, and, and he had that belief system to, a, to where he denies Jesus. And, and Jesus comes to him, and he says, he says, you're not Peter anymore. You're Simon, son of John. And I think it's interesting here that if you listen, if we look and we say, what was Peter's problem? What had caused this problem? We would say, Peter has a denial problem. Peter has a, uh, a problem of he has denied Christ. He has a commitment problem. Peter's got a commitment problem. If we had to say, in my mind, I think, if I had to say, what's wrong with Peter? I'd say, Peter has a commitment problem. He is not committed to Jesus, and that's his problem. Do you know that Jesus never says anything to him about denying him? 
He never says a word to him about that. He never comes up to Peter and says, I'm going to start calling you Simon, son of, of uh, John, because you have a commitment problem. And we all know what happened, Peter. We know that when it came time and you had to, had to make a choice of whether you was going to follow me or you was going to uh, uh, deny me, you denied me. Peter, you have a commitment problem. He doesn't even call him Peter anymore. He calls him Simon. He says, you've gone backwards. You have a commitment. He doesn't say that. He doesn't beat him over the head and say, you have a denial problem. I think it's interesting here that uh, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't say that at all. He doesn't say, you know, if, 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 if little girls are going to come around and ask you about your belief, you, you have a problem and that's part of your problem. Or if your family came around and said, uh, you, you don't know what you're doing here and you're making wrong choices here, you would have... A, or maybe if religious leaders came around and said, said is this God, are you going to follow him or anything? He doesn't say anything like that. He doesn't even mention that Peter has a denial problem. He says, Peter, you got a love problem. You got a love problem. A few weeks ago, I was speaking and I was talking about the problems of our country, and I said, We, have a, we, we don't have an issue with these things, and I named off five or six little issues there. I said, We have a sin problem. And you know what? I was, I was right. But if you take it a little bit further, we have a, what we really have is a love problem. Because he doesn't even address this as sin. He says, Peter, you have, a, you have a love problem. And he reminds Peter that he has a love problem. You see, we look at people and say they have a lying problem or they have a cheating problem or they have a gossip problem or they have a drinking problem or a drug problem or they have a stealing problem or they have some sort of addiction problem. Jesus says, you have a love problem. You have a love problem. Peter's denial was not the problem. It was a result of a lack of love for Jesus. He had a love problem. And Peter, seriously, he could go through life and never deny again or never steal or anything like that, but still have a love problem. You see, all sin is a love problem. Because, see, if we love Jesus and truly love God, if we truly love God, we will not sin. If we truly love someone, we do not do things to hurt them. When you hurt someone, you have a love problem. If I hurt my wife, if I do things that hurts my wife, we have a love problem there. I don't do things to hurt her. I don't, I don't cheat on her. I don't do things that would hurt her. You know why? Because I love her. I love her. And Jesus comes to Peter and he says, you have a love problem. You don't love me like you should. He doesn't say you have a denial problem. He says, you don't love me like I should. And he's really saying you love yourself more than me you were you loved your safety in that courtyard you loved your safety and your life more than me you loved your reputation when they started saying are you the one you you loved your reputation among people more than you loved me you loved what people thought about you more than you loved me you see peter had a love problem and I want to ask you this morning, this is a question. 
What do you love more than God? Maybe you have a habit and you enjoy that habit and you take part in that habit knowing that it denies God but you love the pleasure from that habit. Here's the deal. If you are involved in a habit that you know is sin, you love that pleasure more than you love God. It's, I'm just saying that's the way it is. And I want to ask you this morning, what do you love more than God? And in order for, people, for Peter to have the, the, the experience that he has in Acts, somewhere between John chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, he has to come to the place where he says, I will not let anything else come between me and you. I am going to love you supremely. And when he came to that point was when the Holy Spirit came. And that has to happen in each one of our lives where we say, no matter what, no matter what, I do not love my business, I do not love my kids, I do not love my wife more than you. Everything, and we can love those things. I'm not saying don't love your wife or love your kids, love them. But we have to get to the place, and it takes a breaking down. It takes being broke down to where we say, I love you supremely. And I'm going to be honest with you, I had never noticed it before, but Peter does not get there at this time. He's not there. He's not there. He's not there yet. And he tells Jesus, I'm not there. And Jesus says, I know you're not there. And somewhere between John 21 and Acts chapter 2, in those days, Peter gets so sick of not loving God the most that he breaks down and he says, no matter what, no matter what happens in this life, I'm going to love Jesus supremely. And after that, we do not see the same Peter. He's back to Peter the Rock. He stands up in front of people and gives sermons and thousands of people are saved. He is beaten and he, is, he ends up giving his whole life for Jesus. He is martyred and he never backs down. Why? Because he got over his love problem. He said, I'm going to love Jesus supremely. He's going to have everything. There is not one thing on this world that I will love more than him. I will love him supremely we don't see him afraid of people he lays down his life for everything you see a sin problem is a love problem when we love things of this world and ourselves and our image and what people think of us more than jesus then we have a love problem and it's only when we love jesus above all else that we can be truly freed from sin and that's what he's talking about here peter is not at this point here he i read this to you i want to read it again because if you read it in the in the regular bible it says do you love me he says you know i love me do you love me you know i love you do you love me you know i love you do you love me you know i love you and it's hard to understand what's being said there but they are really two different words they're two different greek words altogether. and so this is what jesus is saying this is what jesus is saying he says Do you love me more than these others do? With reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion. He's talking about a sold-out, devoted love as one loves the Father. Do you love me as you love the Father where everything is me? 
And this is what Peter says. And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you, that I have a deep, instinctive, personal affection for you as for a close friend. I like having you around. You're a nice guy to have around. But I don't serve you with everything that I is. Can you, can you imagine? I, I tried to imagine Cindy comes up to me and goes, do you, do you love me? Will you spend your whole life with me? Will you be the father of my kids? Will you and me grow old together? Will, will we have a great relationship together? And we'll, and we'll have this wonderful thing. I like having you around. You're, all, you're a good cook. You're, you're pretty good company. You're nice to have around. No, no, Brian. I'm, I mean, I mean, really. Do you, do you, do you love me? Do you want to go through life together, and and we'll complete each other, and, and the image of God will be seen in our marriage, and and we'll go through life together, and we'll have children and grandchildren, and they will see the way that we love each other, and we will be totally committed one to another, and we will cling to each other like the Bible says. And I'll be like, you're you're pretty good at keeping the house clean. I'd, yeah, to be, you know, and you're pretty good at running errands. I. I like, I like having you around. Listen to me. Jesus comes to each one of us. Listen to me. Jesus comes to each one of us and says, this is what it is to love me. I'm everything. Am I Everything to you am i everything to you this is what he's asking you this morning am i everything to you and he is asking this to everyone this morning who is here and i'm going to be honest with you some of you your answer if you are honest you'd be i like having you around i like how i feel when i go to church on sunday i like being around your people i like I like talking about you at home and I like and I like talking about you to people and and you know what I like your influence on my kids life and I, and I like what Pastor Sean does and I like what Pastor Kelsey does in my kids life and I like you around. No, I'm not talking about that. Do you love me? Am I everything to you this morning? Am I everything to you? Am I all that there is? Cuz see this is what I want in your life is is this, I want to be every thing nothing above me not your business not your wife not your kids nothing above me not not any aspiration or dream that you have i do you love me am i everything to you i i like i really like having you around i like having you around and jesus comes back a third time and asks the same question and that the third time he says do you just Really, this is what he's asking. Peter, do you, just, do you just like having me around? Do you just, is that where you are? And Peter says, you know that's where I'm at. And what's interesting here is Jesus leaves it at that. Peter's very honest and Jesus is very honest. Jesus says, I know that's where you are. And this morning, some of you the word is speaking to you this morning and some of you need to pray 
right now because you're there. Peter, it happened a few days down the road. Some of you this morning, I'm going to give an altar call and you're going to say, I don't want to be there. I don't want to, I don't want to just be glad that you're around. I want you to be Lord of my whole life. And God wants to do that this morning. But unfortunately, some of you will say, I just, I just like having you around. I want you to know you can't stay there. You can't stay there forever. Peter was there for a while, but he was on his way to where he gave everything over to God. Some of you are on your way. I understand that. Some of you, God is saying, today's the day to where you love me supremely above everything else. I want us to stand. Lance, I want you to come. If you serve the Lord long enough, you will be here where Peter is. You'll be here. And I didn't get into it today, but he goes, he's like, if you're gonna if you're gonna love me, you're gonna it's a whole nother sermon. If you're gonna love me, feed my sheep, be a be a shepherd. I don't think Peter wanted to do it. I think Peter was saying, look, here's the deal. If this is what it is to serve you, I'm not there. If this is what it is to, to, to be what you want me to be, I, I can just tell you, I, I, I really don't want to do it right now. If this is what it is to follow you, I don't know if I can do it. I don't even know if I want to do it. And I'm going to tell you, if you follow Jesus long enough, you're going to end up here at this point. And I'm going to be dead honest. There will be a time when you'll say, look, if this is what it is to follow, I don't know if I even want to. There's some days like that. There's some days like that. Is that if this is, look, Jesus, if this is what it is to follow you, I don't know if I want to do this. And apparently it's okay. Now listen to the whole thing here. Jesus lets Peter answer that way. But you can't stay there. It was part of the process of getting to where he wanted him to be. But you cannot stay there at some point you have to say I will do it I will do it I will follow you no matter what no matter who else goes with me some of you are not where you were at one time maybe you've kind of backed up apparently it's possible And Jesus is saying, let's, let's get back to the way it was. I don't know what God's saying to you today, but I'm telling you what, this scripture spoke, I, I seemed like I understood things better than I've ever understood things before.
you have a love problem this morning? Do you love God supremely? Above everything else, do you have a love problem this morning? If you do, come and pray. Come and pray. We're going to sing. The altars are open. Come as we sing.